Thank you, John. Let's bow our heads. Father God in heaven, thank you so much for this beautiful day, this time that we can be here together to come before your throne, to bow at your feet, God, to worship you. God, I ask that the Holy Spirit will use me today to bring this message that you have given to me and that it will penetrate our hearts and our minds and that we can act upon it, that we can act on what we know. God, give me the words to speak. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. I first want to thank Pastor Dusa and John for filling in in my absence. It has been 10 months since I've been up here. Um, I believe that this experience has happened because I have a message. I believe that God has given me a message, not for the unsaved. Specifically, not for the unsaved. This is a message for the church. And we're going to start with this church. So, um, last September, I was in my house. I was hanging up garland for fall. And um, I have this big oak shelf in my kitchen. It's above my window. It is about, I don't know, seven feet long. It's made of oak. Did I say it's oak? <laughs> It was. It was oak. It still is oak, actually. Um, and it, it was. It was heavy. Yeah, you guys are quick. So um, this, this oak was sitting on brackets, and it was not really attached to the bracket, but the brackets were very sturdy. And uh, you, you know how you have a little plastic insert and you stick into your sheetrock. If you don't hit a stud, you want to hang something up, but you don't hit a stud. So we had this little plastic insert in the wall, and then you screw the bracket into the insert. So as we found out, the that little insert was cracked. And it wasn't like that, certainly, when we put the shelf up. But um, I went to hang up this garland and the, sh the bracket was not stable at all. It was just basically sitting there. And the back of the shelf came forward, and it spun. So it hit me in the head, and um, I had a big, I had a big, big lump. Very big. And uh, my son was home. He took me to the ER. I got real dizzy nauseous, couldn't think, couldn't really walk, kind of stumbling around, nauseous, extremely dizzy. We go into the ER, and um, that's where I first realized how much God has protected me. Because this lump was so large, they were very surprised that I didn't have a laceration and lots of blood and stitches and all that, so... That was absolutely a praise. I also learned that um, I should have had a debilitating, horrible headache. I don't know how many of you have had concussion. I know Dawn has. Usually the chief complaint is a horrible, horrible headache. I really didn't have a headache. I had pain, but not a headache. 
So I was praising God again that those symptoms, um, I believe that God spared me. Um, So the first thing for a concussion is rest. You have to rest your brain. No stimulation. No television, computer, TV, reading. I couldn't engage in any of those things anyway. Um, The first few days, I went to a place called the Concussion and Head Trauma Center. Um, They are still in charge of my treatment and my recovery. Uh, Dizziness. Constant. No let up. Absolutely no relief from being constantly dizzy. I was dizzy if I slept. I was so dizzy that I would wake up. Um, Concussion patients do not process movement or light very well at all. Um, So any type of movement. It didn't matter if I was moving and my environment was still. It didn't matter if a leaf was blowing. It didn't matter if the windshield wipers were on and the rain was coming at me and the car was moving. Shopping carts, that's a horrible place to be in the store when you have a concussion. I didn't go there for months. There's a lot of stimulation. There's too many things to look at. I had to think about my list. I had to push the cart. I broke dishes. Yesterday, I broke barbecue sauce. I had barbecue sauce all over my feet, my shoes, the cart, the floor. Because I backed in. I don't know what I was doing. I, I have um, cognitive deficits, and I have spatial, um, spatial processing is very limited. So, Joe, I know you're in front of me. I, I see you. But my spatial awareness is very compromised. So I know that my foot is going to hit the floor, When I'm walking, sometimes I don't really know when it's going to hit the floor. So these are all um, deficits that we're still working through. We, yeah, I'm still working through. So movement. Movement is extremely difficult. So my um, my first couple of weeks, Glenn would take me out for a walk. Um, They wanted me to walk for 10 minutes. I think I walked for maybe seven, seven or eight. We had to work up to 10 minutes because 10 minutes was not going to happen. I was just way too dizzy. He had to hold on to me uh, to make sure I didn't fall. So falling at this point um, could be permanent. If I re-injured my head in any way, that could be irreversible. So I had pressure in my ears like a cold. A uh, concussion affects your ability to sleep. It affects your ability to fall asleep. So four or five nights in a row, no sleep. No, um, no dozing off, even a little. So um, no ability to think, focus, concentrate, I tried to write out a check to pay the PPNL bill. I didn't know where to write my name. I didn't know 
what line I was supposed to put my signature on. I didn't know where I was supposed to write PPNL. So once I figured those things out, then I had to do my checkbook and put the transaction in there. Then I had to stamp the envelope. I didn't know where to put the stamp. So there's a little square that says place stamp here. That's for people that have concussion, okay? That's where the stamp goes, not the address label. The address label goes on the other side. And honestly, this was exhausting. When I, when I was done with this process, I had to go and lay down. It was absolutely exhausting. So the cognitive deficits, you need to understand. And the reason I'm telling you all of this about post-concussion syndrome, that's a three-month period post-accident. Anything after three months is post-concussion syndrome. And the reason I'm telling you this is you need to understand. I could not pray. I could not read God's word. I could not recall scripture. Yeah. So, I could not log into my computer. I would have loved to have sat, you know what, I'm off for work for three months. I'll sit, listen to some sermons. That required me to put my password in. That wasn't going to happen. I couldn't navigate the internet to look up a sermon. And at the time, I didn't even realize I couldn't get anything out of a sermon anyway, if I did get that far. There's no comprehension, no memory. So we enter physical and occupational therapy. I had four sessions a week. It was four hours of therapy. Thank goodness for mom. Mom had to come and pick me up and drive me. If you, if, if you can't walk down the sidewalk, you can't operate a car safely. So there was no driving. Um, my mom had to pick me up for my appointment, let's say, at 1 o'clock. I had to get there 15 minutes early. It took me 20 minutes to get there. I could not figure out what time she was supposed to come and pick me up. I, I did not have the cognitive ability to do that simple concept. So um, physical therapy, they, they work on um, walking up steps. They work on walking in a straight line. How about walking in a line and looking to the left? Walking in a line and looking up? Looking to the left, to the right, all these things I had to relearn. Um, occupational therapy, we did distance, spatial awareness. We did... Um, Reading from left to right. Reading was very difficult. When I finally got to the point where I could look at a page without being horribly dizzy, I thought, oh, wow, I can read now. No, I couldn't read. I knew where I was supposed to go. Not that I was learning phonetically. I was not relearning phonetically how to read. But I had to learn how to read from left to right. Then when you get to the right, you have to go back to the left. 
So after I'm here for 20 minutes trying to read, I realize I never got down to the bottom of the page because I'm rereading the same thing over again. But I had no memory, so I didn't know I was rereading the same thing over again. And you think, well, you can use your finger, but that takes mental ability to realize I could be using my finger. Didn't have that either. So there's no reading God's word. That's what I do. I read God's word. I pray. I study God's word. I can't do any of those things. I had to, um, if someone would be speaking to me, I would have to stabilize myself on a chair or a table to keep me from swaying. So if I didn't do that, I could not hear what you were saying to me because my brain was putting so much energy into not falling over, there was nothing left to focus or concentrate or to even hear what you were saying. So once I stabilized my body and put my hand on a chair, I was better able to hear and listen to what was being said to me. So, I didn't realize how much cognitive ability it took to say a prayer. When I started to feel a little bit better, my prayer would be one word. It would be healing. Or my prayer would be family. Because I pray every day for my family. So I had none of these things. I still struggle with many of them. And I have always taught in this class, if you come regularly, you know that I always teach that we need to be intentional about our walk with the Lord. You need to be intentional to pray. You need to be intentional to open your Bibles. Pastor Dusta can't do that for you. I can't do that for you. We need to do that. What happens when you can't? What happens when you can't? No, I couldn't do it. My desire was there. And even if someone would have read scripture to me, it's not sinking in. And I'm going to tell you that I did not have a feeling. A feeling is physical. I had an intense awareness that God was very near me. Usually if I can't sleep, that's a lot of time to pray. 
four or five nights of no sleep, that's a lot of time to pray. I could have had some good praying time in there. Could not put the words together. I could not recall, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But I was very aware of that concept, even though the words didn't come out. I couldn't think them in my mind. God was very near to me. I have never doubted his love for me. His peace was very constant. And his control of this situation. I belong to him. Things do not happen to me without his approval and his authority. He is still in control. People ask me what my prognosis is. I really have no idea. The prognosis from my, my health care providers might be different than what God has for me. Because my health care providers, they're not giving me a whole lot right now. I do not trust, and my, my peace and my assurance, it does not rest in them. I go to therapy. I do my exercises. I do what I'm told. I rest when I'm supposed to sometimes. My... My husband will disagree with that. God is in control. So the Holy Spirit has shown me how much he intercedes for us. That word family, even before I could get that word out, he knew my heart. And my desire was to pray. And my desire is to connect with him. This intense awareness of his presence has shown me a different side of what I've always taught here. I still believe that we must be intentional about our walk. But he picks up where we cannot. That's amazing. Okay, so a concussion is a brain injury. It's a um, mild traumatic brain injury. Uh, My entire brain was affected. It's, it's not just like the front lobe. Some people will have a, a tumor. It's not like the front lobe was affected. My entire brain has been changed. And you have to reintroduce familiar activities because they are no longer familiar to you. And I have to reintroduce things like driving a car. I had to get back in the car and practice driving. Writing, counting money, making change. I didn't. I did not. I did not recognize my handwriting. Walking up and down the steps. So I am seeing now a neurooptometrist, and I'm in vision therapy. So when we see something, our eyes deliver information to our brain, much like a computer. Our brains use our eyes to help organize and control the movement of our bodies and to stabilize what we see around us. That's the visual process. When it's out of balance, it interferes with all aspects of performance, including cognitive perceptions. Cognitive is the lack of memory, the lack of the brain fogginess. I call it all up in the Kool-Aid, don't know the flavor. Okay? Along with a brain injury, we had multiple eye movement deficits. Okay? 
My eyes could not follow a moving object smoothly. Your eyes are supposed to, do you ever see somebody do like the finger test? Your eyes are supposed to slowly and smoothly, together, not one at a time, one here, this one's off doing its own thing, okay? That's not normal, that was me. You're supposed to move your finger, your eyes will follow smoothly. My eyes did this. Then they were smooth, and then they did this. So guess what those symptoms are? Dizziness. Nausea, headache, all up in the Kool-Aid, don't know the flavor. So then we have um, skipping. My right eye is actually higher than my left eye now. Uh, So one of these deficits, there were many, many deficits. This eye was over here doing its own thing. One of these um, deficits will make you dizzy. I had many. So these are all indications of the force of the impact. This was extremely, they told me, extremely, extremely, extremely hard. I was hit. And I was hit in a very bad place, which is right here, right above the temple. Um, My May appointment, she told me that um, people have had life-threatening complications from the same amount of force that I was hit with. Again, God's protection. Therapy has helped me um, in many, many ways. I did a lot of um, muscle, eye muscle exercises to get my eyes to converge. So now they are moving together. And they stopped paying for that a long time ago because it's not medically necessary. So... So, I want you to do a little exercise. You're going to get to join in and do a little brain exercise, a little eye exercise. So, I want everybody to look at the flag. Okay, see the flag? Okay, now look straight ahead. Don't look at me, look straight ahead. Okay. Now you can look back at me. What, what you just did there was you used what's called your midline. Everybody has a midline. Most people don't know it because you don't think about using it. We're going to talk about your midline because my midline is not like your midline. Your midline is straight ahead. So you looked at the flag, and then you came back to center. Your midline is your center. Okay? So as you go about your day, you constantly come back to your center. kind of helps you stable. You're stable. You're walking around. You always come back to your center, your midline. My midline is not in the center. My midline's over here. It's called a visual midline shift. I was hit on this side. Now my midline has shifted. Again, the force of impact was tremendous. So my midline is now off-center. So when you looked at the flag... And you come back to midline, your brain settles in your center, and it says, ah, that's where I'm supposed to be. My brain does not recognize my center. So it goes past my center, and it's looking around for my center, and it can't find it. Yeah. 
So my brain kind of settled off to the left, and it'll say, this feels kind of right, but not really sure. So then I started doing this because this is now comfortable for me, and it reduces symptoms of dizziness, nausea, cognitive deficits. One of the biggest, one of the biggest symptoms is, of a midline shift is it feels like you're walking on an imbalanced floor. It feels like you're walking on a slanted floor. So, yeah, kind of like you're on a ship. I kept saying, I feel like I'm on a cruise ship, but I'm not going anywhere. I'm just going, trying to get down the hallway. So, we all have this midline that we use every day. So, I come home from my doctor's appointment, and I have another component of this injury And God says to me, this is what happens when you are not in the center. When I'm not your center. When I am not your center. This is how it is. You don't know where to go. And you're all over the place. And it's still not right. And you're dizzy. And it affects all aspects. Of something that should be so easy. This is something that we shouldn't even think about. So when you walk through that doorway and you turn your head. You don't feel like you have to hang on to the wall or the door or the person next to you. This is what happens. This was an audible. Not an audible voice but in my mind. And let me tell you, I know it's from the Holy Spirit because there's nothing getting through here. There is nothing getting through. And he plainly said to me, this is what happens when I am not at the center. Everything, everything is off. So how do you correct a visual midline shift? You get a lens put in your glasses. I have and it has helped me incredibly back in April I finally got my lens it somehow distorts how light goes through the prism affects your brain I don't know the science behind it all I know is don't take them away from me that's all I know visual midline shift so um I work for a lab. Most of you know, I work for Health Network Laboratories. I had um, 90 days off, and it's time to go back to work. So I, I wanted to go back part-time because, remember, you have to reintroduce your brain slowly to new, new activities. So um, at home, I got my little eyebrow tweezers out, and I was manipulating little pieces of cereal and broken noodles and all that stuff because that's what I do at my job. And I was trying to help my brain to uh, reprogram itself, refamiliarize itself, if you will, with my job. So I work in the histology department, and I take little tiny pieces of skin, 
and I embed them in a little um, metal mold, and we pour hot wax on top. And then we freeze that hot wax, and it becomes a block. And they shave that block and put that shave on a slide, and that's what goes underneath your microscope. So if I mess up that piece of skin, I have just messed up someone's diagnosis. Okay, once that piece is cut, I can't put it back. So I need to be able to do my job, and I need to be able to do it well. And my... What time does this class end? 10.30. Okay, I'm going to ask you that again. But, okay. Sorry. Um, so the... Um, I have to be able to do my job well. So my therapist said, this isn't going to happen. And my doctor said, this is not going to happen. This, this job is too intense. It is too focused because my eyes don't converge. My eyes, your, your eyes are supposed to look at the same object, objects. They're not doing that. They're not working together. They're not converging. It was my prayer that I could keep my job. I went back part-time. I had my visor on to protect my eyes from the fluorescent lighting. I asked my supervisor to speak to my coworkers. Um, I could only handle very limited conversation because that would have spent all of my mental energy. And I, was, I wanted to be able to do my job. So they said, okay. You know, they would not come up and speak to me. And I asked them, we have to turn the radio off. Because I cannot hear a radio and try to focus. It's too much stimulation. So that, they said, no. We're not doing without the radio. So it is what it is. I did take earplugs in. I did. I had to. So, um... I'm walking through the hallway to get to my department, and this lasted several, maybe a month. If someone walked past me, I had to stop and hold on to the wall because that's how dizzy I was. I was afraid I was going to either fall over or step out in front of them or get run over by a car or whatever was passing me. So I get into... Um, my work center and little by little by God's grace I was able to do my job and I was able to do it well so each day got a little bit better a little bit better yeah but I was only working four hours part time yeah. So those two weeks went very quickly. I had to be full-time, no restrictions. And they said, your job will be posted the next day. I'm not back. So there's a little bit of pressure. And again, my, my therapist and my doctor said, I, I don't see it. Part-time and full-time are two completely different things. And I said, well, then I'll go out on disability. But I'm going to try. My weekend before I went back was horrible. I had to go back full-time on Monday. I woke up Monday morning 
Oh, great. It is a praise. I, I do not think I would be able to do my job without him intervening. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, had a really good few weeks. Um, there were some days I felt better at work than I did at home. Because I sit. I sit at work. My brain became familiar with my task. So, um, this was right before Christmas. It was the best I felt in months. I felt like I'm over the hump. The worst is behind me. Phew, don't want to go through that again. It's almost over. Then I developed a new symptom. Yeah. I developed a sensitivity to loud sounds. So, when you're here in church, it's very stimulating. There's a lot of movement. There's a lot of zigzaggy dresses that are black and white. People are talking, and I love being at church. I love my church. I love being here. A lot of stimulation for somebody that has a concussion. Dawn probably knows. Dawn, it's it's very stimulating. So, uh, to no fault of anyone on the praise team or the soundboard operators, I was not able to handle the volume of the music. And there were times I came in, and I was like, oh, it's not that loud. It's not really loud. But I had symptoms that developed so quickly, it was all I could do to walk back to the door and leave. And, and once they started, it was like a big boulder rolling down a hill. It happened so fast. By the time I got up and turned around and walked out, I had a day where my speech was slurred. I was staggering. I was extremely dizzy. I had a horrible headache. I had pressure on my ears. I... I could not function. So, um, you know, when those things happen, you, you come home and you rest. No stimulation. So that's what I did. A couple days, nothing. I, I was not recovering. So um, the intervention was, you know, take off from work. Well, I can't, can't take off from work. I already had all that time off, and that's not going to happen. So I... Um, I was supposed to come home from work and sit in the dark. No radio, no phone, no TV. Zero stimulation. No light. I had too much stimulation at work. I had to come home and just recover. Absolutely recover. So I did that, and it probably took about two weeks till I was actually able to cook dinner at least start to function, and it took five weeks until I completely recovered back to how I was before. So they call that crashing. Um, when you are exposed, you, you overexpose yourself, and your symptoms just, you're basically going back to square one. So they call that a crash. So it happened again when I tried to go to the gym started to feel better. You start doing more. I went to the gym. I was in there for 20 minutes. It took me six weeks to recover 
from going to the gym. So at that point, my prognosis did not look very strong because it usually doesn't take people that long to recover. Um, a couple days, maybe a week. Five, six weeks was unheard of. So they're telling me that my prognosis, this might be as good as I get. Be happy you can keep your job. Be happy you can drive a car and at least do your laundry and cook. So, um, that's not God's prognosis. That's not God's prognosis. So, um, I would come into praise and worship and I, I wore, thank you, I wore earplugs. And it still bothered me for some reason. I, I, don't, I don't know why. I, I went to a wedding reception and I had my earplugs in and I was great the whole time. I don't know what it is about being in here. Because a lot of the times, it really wasn't that loud. But my symptoms start up. So I decided I'm going to stay at home. And before I got to that point, I have to tell you, if I can't pray... And I can't worship. And I can't get anything out of Pastor Deuce's sermons. What am I coming for? Why am I here? Fellowship was very stimulating. And I even stood at my door, and I was ready to turn the doorknob to go out the door, and I thought to myself, why am I going? But you know what? I will praise God. And I will worship him. And I will tell you that being here has hindered my recovery. That there is absolutely no argument there. But I will come and worship. So I took four weeks off. And I wanted to see if this was going to help with my recovery. So I missed Easter Sunday. Resurrection Sunday is my most favorite. I wasn't here for four weeks. Four weeks is a long time to me. So I decided to come back. I sat here where Lori and Brad are sitting. Thank you. And by the second song, all my symptoms came back. I had my earplugs in. Some of you were here. If you weren't, I'm sure you heard about it. I just started wailing. I wasn't weeping. I was wailing. I was so grieved because I couldn't be here. And I couldn't hear scripture. And I couldn't pray. And I had to get up and leave. And here's the message I have for you. What if this was all taken away from you? What if you were not able to pray? And what if you were not able to come in here and listen to Pastor Deuce's sermon? So what are we doing on a Sunday? We take this for granted. And I was wailing tears of grief. 
buddy. You know what? It takes, it takes effort to come here on a Sunday morning. Satan doesn't want you here. When I prepare my lessons for this Sunday school class, I am bringing to you what God has put on my heart. And people aren't going to come. You know what? Christ hung on the cross for you. He didn't have to. He did it because he wanted to. He did it because he wanted to. And I'm telling you that if you were the only person, if you were the only person on the face of this earth, Jesus Christ still would have hung for you on that cross just for one And we can't get out of bed on a Sunday morning to come out and worship. Were you out too late? Are you having a bad hair day? Are the kids giving you a hard time? They need to see. Those kids need to see that this is a priority for mom and dad to come here. Because if you don't show them, the world's not going to show them. Pastor Dusa can't do it for you, and I can't do it for you, and the church leaders can't do it for you. So let me ask you, what if the ability to read God's word was taken away from you? What if the ability to hear a sermon was taken away from you? What if the ability to pray was taken away from you? What if the freedom to come to church or Bible study was taken away. Turn to the book of Luke, chapter 9. You didn't think we are going to do this without reading scripture. Because that's not going to happen. Luke, chapter 9, verses 10 to 17. <clears throat> So, there's a lot of people here, but they're here for different reasons. Some people wanted to be healed. Some people wanted to be fed. Some people wanted to see what was going on. And we see different responses. We see a boy here that gave everything he had. He gave everything. And then we have people that are serving. And we have people that are getting. So why do we come here? Are we coming here to get something? Are we coming here to be served? Are we serving? Or are we giving everything that we have in our basket? Because Christ didn't, he didn't hang on the cross halfway. He, he went all the way and did it all. So if you were not able to pray, would your life look any different? Would you notice? If you weren't able to sit down and read from left to right and actually comprehend what you're reading, would that bother you at all? That's a message that God gave to me.